Last week we started a brand new series called The Love of God. And, uh, and it actually uh, came about from a phone conversation that I had from a person that I used to pastor several years ago. They live in another state now. And, and, and talking about going to church and hearing a very confusing message. In one message, they said they heard God loves you, he, he adores you no matter what, God, God loves you. And then the next message, God's really angry at you and he's really mad at you and he's ready to just boot you out. And, 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 and I thought, how many times has that been the message that the church has portrayed of God? We, we give a very uh, up and down relationship with God. And let me tell you something, God's heart to you has never changed. From all eternity, before Adam ever did his thing in the garden, God's heart for humanity has not changed. God didn't love, doesn't love us because he has to. Sometimes we love people because we have to. That's our fault. That's our, you know. But God loves us because it's just who he is. He doesn't need us. Okay? God doesn't need you. Well, I'm just serving the Lord. He doesn't need a servant. He, the Bible says, actually, he, he said in one scripture, he says, I don't even call you servants, I call you friends. But we've got this whole idea, well, I'm serving the Lord. That means I've got to work for this thing, I've got to strive for this thing, because I've got to make sure that I do everything right so that he loves me. We have somehow twisted God's love into a thing that we can earn or to a thing that we have to line ourselves up just right. No, God loves you even when you're not lined up right. Yeah. Ah, that's, that's good news right there. Yeah, now, it doesn't mean that he's going to approve every silly thing that I do, of everything that I do that, that is a detrimental to my life, that is harmful for my life or the lives of others. It doesn't mean he approves it, but it doesn't change his affection to me. And it doesn't mean that he has to love me. It isn't something he's forced to do. He loves us because from the foundation of the world, he made sure that a lamb was already slain. Several weeks ago, I quoted an old hymn, and uh, we're going we're to do it eventually. But it's, it's called the love of God. And, and, and the, the, the last verse of this song, when the writer wrote it, was found scribbled on the walls of an insane asylum. And it actually comes from about a 2,000 year old Jewish poem. But he, he, he was writing a song and, 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 and this person had passed away in this insane asylum and was being carried off and written on the words of his cell, his room, whatever it was that he was in. He says this, could we with ink the ocean field, and were the skies of parchment made, if every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the sky contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. See, that's how big God's love is for us. And, 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 and that's what just, it, it spurs me. And, and, and of all songs ever written, I believe that's one of my favorites. An old hymn written, I think, 1917. 
with part of the words scribbled on and sang a solemn song. The first part of the verse of that song says the love of God is greater than any man could ever tell. It stretches beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. <laughs> oh my goodness, what a song. And so when I heard this friend of mine call me and he said, Pastor, man, is, is God love or is he not? Because someone actually said in his church that if you're with God and for some reason you decide to walk away and don't have a relationship with God, that God may or may not ever want a relationship with you again and you're just going to hope for the best. Folks, that's not God. I don't know where we come up with this stuff. But if we want love, real love, ideal love, if we want the love that passes all understanding, it is never going to be found outside of a relationship with Him. And we will never be able to love Him the way He deserves to be loved until we figure out that He loves us far more than we ever deserved to be loved. <laughs> That his love for us, I can't love him. You, folks, you cannot love God past your revelation of his love for you. And so the, the purpose of these messages is to, to, to get us to the point where we're no longer wondering if God loves us. See, we've treated Christianity, this Christ-following life, like a marriage. Because, you know, we're the bride of Christ. But here's the thing. We, we, we've done it in such a way that we've represented ourselves as a bride who isn't really sure whether her husband loves her or not. <laughs> You're the bride of Christ unless... And we forget old stories about the prophet who took the prostitute wife. And she ran off, and what did he do? Come on back home. Oh, I won't get started in that. But we, we've treated it like a bride who doesn't understand that her husband loves her. And so she's always questioning. When Dee and I got married, this is what I told her. Or when we actually, when we first started dating, I said, please, don't ever come to me and be this type of person. Are you mad? Are you okay? Is everything good? If I'm with you, we're good. If I'm not with you, something was wrong. Right? And I said, I said, don't do that. I said, and, 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 and she said, well, why? I said, the reason why I don't want that is because that shows that you're not settled with us. And we do God the same way. We constantly question, do you really love me, God? Is there anything that, that I can do to make it better? I just want to make sure we're good. And so what we do is we follow, just like a wife who, or a woman who's not sure her spouse loves her, then we fall into performance mode. Well, let me go and do all this stuff because if I do all this stuff, just for, you, know, you know, let me make sure the house is clean and make sure I, I'm dressed and proper and got all my, my makeup on. I got everything. And so when he comes home, he looks at me, oh, everything's good. Yeah, I've got to make sure. See, God never intended on you to fall into performance mode to operate in his love. It's never been about one performance, only one, and that was Jesus on the cross is the only performance mode that God was ever interested in. Yeah. Mm. 
So then what does she do? If she's not sure her husband loves her, then she's jealous. Well, is he looking at her different than he looks at me? Sounds just like the church, don't it? Well, why is God blessed? And I'm not fine, and I'm not getting it. Does God love God more than he loves me? See, and then what happens is the thing that I told the Dee that I didn't want to hear. Then we're always going to God. Are you mad at me? We're like that spouse who's never sure. Are you angry? Are we okay? Is everything good? And, and we <laughs> have nothing to worry about. 1 John 4, 8 says, God is love. God doesn't do love. It is who he is. You know, it's no wonder our kids are, are, are confused nowadays. It's no wonder why we as adults are confused. Jesus loves the little children. Unless they do blank, 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 blank. And don't do blank, 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 blank. But then we don't sure if he really loves you or not. And we expect them to have a healthy relationship with the Father when all our lives we told them that he is a, uh, an inconsistent lover. He runs hot, he runs cold. <laughs> we don't give them a reason to believe it. Because we tell them God's angry, God's wrathful, and God's vengeful. And not the fact that his wrath and his vengeance is still out of a place of love. So why does God love you? Remember my, my reference of Roger Rabbit? How do I love you? Let me count the ways. But why? Why does God love us? God loves you because you remind him of someone. You ever had that? Where you're just like, man, that, that person reminds me of somebody. Well, why do you like that person? I don't know. They just remind me of somebody. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. From the message translation says, And God spoke... Let us make human beings in our image. God loves you because you remind him of him. It's hard. Anybody? <laughs> he said, let us make human beings in our image. Make them reflecting our nature. So human beings are made to reflect God's image and reflect God's nature. So they can be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, the cattle, and yes, earth itself, and every animal that moves on the face of the earth. God created human beings. He created them God-like. He created them God-like. Reflecting God's nature. He created them male, and He created them female. And God blessed them and he said, prosper, reproduce, fill the earth, take charge. This is what your life is supposed to be. This was your command on the earth. This is man's command on the earth. Prosper. You're commanded to prosper. <laughs> well, prosperity is hard. Not when it's already who you are. He said, prosper, reproduce, take Charge. <laughs> Be responsible.
responsible for the fish of the sea, the birds in the air, for every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. That's what God did. God loves you because you remind him of someone. Yeah, but you know what? I'm just, it, I can't be that perfect. Verse 31, Reese. Verse 31, and God looked over everything he had made, and it was so good. So very good. And it was evening, and it was morning, day six. See, God loves you because you remind him every human being that has ever been placed on planet Earth reminds God of himself. Well, wait a minute. So we can start listing off people's behaviors. We can start listing off all the things they do wrong, all the things that they live according to the, to, to the Word of God. They don't line up to this. And that may be true. Their behaviors aren't lining up to some things, standards that God has set. But that does not change His overwhelming love and their reflection of God on the earth. Humanity is made in the image and likeness of God, not just Adam. Our problem is we don't see people as a reflection of God. We see them as a reflection of their behavior. And as a behavior reflection, then we choose whether we can love them or not. Well, I can't love them because they do this and they do that, and I don't see eye to eye. We want everybody to line up with cookie cutters. We want all our gingerbread men look the same. And we've got this idea that God does too. Well, he did that. He said, humanity, look like me. And I give you a command. Prosper, reproduce, take charge. What did he say to Jeremiah? Before I formed you in the womb, I knew your relationship with God started way before your natural birth. God knew you in heaven before you, or he knew you as your spirit before you ever took possession of a body. Hmm. He said, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Look at Psalms 139. You have always had a relationship with God. Well, I just don't have a relationship with God. Yes, you do. Yeah, but atheists don't. Yes, they do. Now, their mindset may be completely dark. And I was reading scriptures this morning before I came in here about how it's the enemy who blinds men's minds. I think it's Galatians that I was reading. The enemy has blinded people's minds. Well, and we'll never open their minds to the reality of how God really feels about them as long as we're always telling them we don't love them either. And because I don't love you, God surely can't. Psalms 139 verse 14 or yeah 13 you formed my innermost being shaping my delicate inside and my intrinsic outside you wove them all together in my mother's womb thank you God for making me so mysteriously complex everything you do is marvelous and breathtaking Maybe if we would start looking at people as something that is marvelous and breathtaking, and it doesn't matter what they're doing right now, but I still see God in them. 
Well, God's not in them. Except for the fact God is the giver of life. The enemy didn't give life. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. God is the giver of life. So whether they're walking in it or not, we can still see the divine reflection of God in them. And I promise if we look at people this way, we will treat them differently. I'm, I'm getting into next week's. Try not to. He said, everything you do is marvelously breathtaking. Look at the person next to you and say, you're breathtaking. <laughs> Look at how David finishes it here out of the passage. He said, it simply amazes me to think about it. How thoroughly you know me, Lord. You even formed every bone in my body when you created me in the secret place, carefully and skillfully shaping me from nothing to something. You saw who you created me to be before I became me. God knew who you were going to be before you ever existed on this realm, in this reality. He said, you saw who you created me to be before I'd ever seen the light of day. The number of my days were planned for me. You were all and were already recorded in your book. Every single moment you are thinking of me. You'll never love God until you understand how much he loves you. Every moment he is thinking of you. This is why a lot of people run from relationship to relationship to relationship because they haven't fixed this relationship first. And they're constantly looking for that, that place of validation. They're constantly looking for that place of security. And you will never be secure in any relationship in your life until you're secure in the relationship of who you got in Christ or who and how Christ loves you. Oof, mercy. <laughs> Every single moment you're thinking of me, how precious. And wonderful to consider that you cherish me constantly in your every thought. Oh God, your desires toward me are more than the grains of the sand on the shore. And when I wake each morning, you're still with me. This kind of love defies logic. This is why today we're talking about a logic defying love. This doesn't even make sense. The, why? Because in our logical mind, we think I will love you as long as. It's hard to really grasp the idea that no matter what happens, that God loves me. That no matter where I find myself, God loves me. Remember the story of the prodigal? The prodigal comes to his father one day. And, and I think a lot of people miss the significance of this, is he comes to his father one day, and he basically says to him, I wish you were dead. See, in their culture, to ask for their inheritance early was an insult. Because the inheritance wasn't supposed to be given until the death of the father. And so basically, he insults his father, and he says, I want my money now. You're as good as dead to me. We miss the significance of that, folks. <laughs> and so he, he, 
sin. So the Father, he doesn't, this is the awesome thing about God. He'll let you go do your thing. He'll never stop loving you. The Father didn't stop loving this son. Matter of fact, the scriptures bear out that he, 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 he probably looked for him. Scanned for him on the horizon. But he let him do it. Okay, go ahead. Here's your money. Here's your stuff. And the word says that he went away. And if you're reading King James Version, it says that he went out and lived a riotous life. Spending all that he had on riotous living, I think is what it said. And when he was broke and everybody else turned against him. This is, I want to be so, why are you talking about it? Because you've got to understand, he lost sight of how much his father loved him. The father never changed his mind about the son. And he finds himself broke, and to a Jewish boy, he does the worst thing imaginable. He takes a job feeding pigs. And not only does he take a job feeding pigs, he finds himself snout to snout with a pig eating the pig's food. And the Lord says that he came to himself. See, there's the key. Let's come to ourselves. He said, you know what? Why am I sitting here like this? Well, let's just pick it up. Verse 17 of Luke 15. Verse 17 of Luke 15. He says, and that brought him to his, to his senses. And he said, all the farmhand, farmhands working for my father sit down to three meals a day. And here I am starving to death. I'm looking back. I'm going back to my father. And I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son. Take me as a higher hand. See, he, what did he do? He started questioning his relationship to the father. I don't deserve it. Folks, I'm here to tell you today, if that's ever gone through your mind, your father doesn't think in the same way about you as you think about you. So he came to his senses, and he got up, and he went to, I wonder how many times he rehearsed that play, that, that speech in his mind. Father, I've sinned against God, I've sinned against you. If you. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Just take me back to the higher hand. Oh, but he's going to whip me. He's going to get mad at me. I told him I wish he was dead. Oh, my goodness. He's not going to take me back. Well, it's worth a shot. I don't want to eat pig slop anymore. And so he goes, let me get this straight. And, and, and all this time, he's getting this straight as he walks toward his father's house. Over and over to make, man, that sounds just like us, doesn't it? Let me make sure I got my words right. Let me make sure I prayed the right prayer. Let me make sure that I've got everything lined up because for some reason the Father's not going to accept me anymore because I told him I wish he was dead. I didn't want to be in his house anymore. And then he let me go and I'm out here doing my stupid stuff. I find myself taking part in things I never should have took part in. And here I am. I don't know if he'll ever let me again. I don't know if he'll ever pick me back again. But if I can just be a slave, God's not interested in slaves. over and over again, just to make sure I get the words right. Let's continue on. And when he was still a long way off, his father saw him. 
you got to understand, here's Papa standing on his porch. One of my favorite pictures that I have, my mother took, we were on an island somewhere around Nags Head one time. And there was nobody on the island but my four family members, my brother, my mother, and my father. And me and dad took a walk way off. And mom snapped a picture of these two little shadows way off in the distance. And when I think about that, that's what I think of when I hear this. And then when the father saw him a long way off. Let me tell you something. I don't care if you feel like you're so far away, he even recognizes your silhouette. Because it looks like him. And when the father saw him a long way off, his heart pounding, he ran out. See, he didn't wait for the sun to come back. He went to the sun. God's never waiting for you to come back to him. He's been pursuing you all along. He's been waiting to just turn around. I've never went anywhere. I know you told me you wish I was dead, but I haven't left you. I promise you I would never leave you. I would never forsake you. I would go with you to the very end. Just turn around. Here I am. And when the father saw him a long way off, his heart beating and pounding, he ran and embraced him and kissed him. Tim Bright has a song he wrote from this scripture. It says, <laughs> that he didn't want to hear his sinner's prayer because he was too busy kissing me. And I love this right here. He had the whole speech practice. He had it all worked out. He knew exact words he was going to say. Folks, how many of you know words are cheap? God doesn't care about our little words. <laughs> it's that heart that turns. If he cared about our words, what would the mute do? Well, they would think in their head. I'm glad you can figure all this stuff out. When the scripture talks about David, it says God doesn't look on the outside. He looks at the heart. That's the judgment of God is the heart. Anyhow, go on. And when he's pounding and kissing, and the son started his speech. Okay, okay, stop kissing me. I've got to get through this. You can't just accept me the way I am. I have to get through this, so stop. Imagine, he's loving all over him, Kevin. He's kissing, he's naked, he's hugging. This is my kid, this is my boy. But wait, let me work this thing out with you. The father said there was nothing to work out. Oh. Get sandals. 
The servants didn't get sandals. That's how you knew someone wasn't a servant, is they had sandals on. He's going to put sandals, put the family ring, recognize him, put the signet back on his finger, and put sandals on his feet. Go ahead, Reese. Then get the grain fed heifer and roast it. We are going to feast. We're going to have a wonderful time. My son is here, given up for dead, now alive, given up for lost, now found. And, we, and they began to have a wonderful time. This is extravagant love like you have never known. This is logic-defying love. This love makes no sense. It confuses people. It's confused the church for years and ages and ages and ages. And because we've been confused about how much God actually loves, we have presented a God... That's totally contrary to who he is. Extravagant. Going beyond what is reasonable. The father had every right. Dude, you come crawling. Now, this is how we do it. You come crawling back to me, didn't you? Found out you couldn't make it without me. You blew your life up, and here you are crawling back. Not one time do we see anything. The only time we see that is when a brother can't figure out the father's love. I wonder sometimes if the church hasn't become that brother. And we can't figure out the father's love and we're mad. We're mad because God loved Jeffrey Dahmer as much as he loves the Pope. And the church has had an answer for this. 
because we don't understand the Word of God. God will stop. Now again, I'm not saying God approves of every stupid, idiotic, contrary to His Word thing that I do. So if you get that, get that out of your head. That's not what I'm saying. But you, no matter what stupid, idiotic thing that I find myself doing that is even contrary to His Word, He still loves me. And I know there's other scriptures going through your head, and we're not going to get into the debate of those right now. And the churches have the answer. I'll love you. He'll love you as long as. You know, the do-do list. Do this, do that, do this, do that, do this. Don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, do this, do this, do this. First John chapter 4, verse 8 says, God is love. He doesn't do love. It's who He is. He can't help it. For God to stop loving you means that God has to stop being Himself. God, 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, God is love. So for God to stop loving you is for God to stop being Himself. And I wonder how the universe will hold up to that. He can't help but love you. But there's something that's got to stop his love. Something has to. Romans chapter 8. And I believe this is actually our last scripture. Romans chapter 8. Sometimes you've got all, all this heavy stuff on us because it's totally contrary to everything we've been taught. Romans chapter 8, verse 38. I think we're going to read. Oh, you're already there. No. So now I live with confidence that there is nothing in the universe, King James says, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. I like the way the passion puts it, that there is nothing in the universe can, with the power to separate us from God's love. Well, let me ask you something. Where do you live? You live in this universe. You can't even stop God from loving you. Well, I don't have to love you back. Nope, you don't. And there's usually, Larry and I was talking this morning, there's consequences to our actions. Well, I, won't, I refuse to love you. It's okay, you ain't gonna stop me. God doesn't get mad at you the way you got mad at him. <laughs> God doesn't give up on you the way you gave up on him. And I live with this confidence that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. Let's go. I'm convinced that his love will triumph over death. Life struggles, fallen angels, and dark rulers in the heavens. There is nothing in our present or our future circumstances that can weaken his love. There is no power, verse 39, there is no power above us, no power beneath us, no power that can ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love which he has lavished on us 
through our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. See, the goal of these messages is not to excuse all of our ignorant, contrary, sinful behaviors. The purpose of this is for you to understand how much God really loves you. And walking in that love should change us. There's a writer named J.I. Packer. He wrote a book called Knowing God. And in this book, Knowing God, Packer quote, this is a quote from that book. God's love for me is utterly realistic. Based at every point on the prior knowledge of the worst about me. See, God had prior knowledge of your worst. Remember what David said? He said, all my days are already pinned out in your book. You think any action you did has ever taken God by surprise? You didn't see that one coming. You didn't take God. The thing you did when you thought nobody else was around and you thought you got away with, you didn't take God by surprise. God's love for me is utterly realistic based on every point on the prior knowledge of the worst about me so that no discovery now can disillusion him about me in the way I'm often disillusioned about myself. Oh. Can I read that again? Because that's worth it. God's love to me is utterly realistic based on every point on the prior knowledge of the worst about me so that no discovery can now disillusion him about me in the way that I am often disillusioned about myself. God loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, but I can think of all these different ways. That's why it's called logic defining love. It defies all logic, all reason, and all sense. God loves you. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for the opportunity just to stand before you, looking at your word and seeing your hope for me, your desire for me, your will for me, your plan for me, and greatest of all, your love for me. And Father, may that love drive me Motivate me and push me into not falling into the behaviors that seem to always trip me up because I get disillusioned in who I am in you. I thank you, I praise you, and I love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.